Across the river and into the trees, chapter one. They started two hours before daylight, and at first it was not necessary to break the ice across the canal as other boats had gone on ahead. In each boat in the darkness, so you could not see but only hear him, the polar stood in the stern with his long oar. The shooter sat on a shooting stool fastened to the top of a box that contained his lunch and shells, and the shooter's two or more guns were propped against a load of wooden decoys. Somewhere in each boat there was a sack with one or two live mallard hens, or a hen and a drake, and in each boat there was a dog who shifted and shivered uneasily at the sound of the wings of the ducks that passed overhead in the darkness. Once again, there's no getting away from Ernest Hemingway. Welcome to Stage 17. Well, this is a jolly nice place, but my concern is that you're not feeling well enough to um, appreciate it. It's good to have you back on the pod. Because you were in bits and pieces last night, weren't you? Yeah, I've taken some, some drugs, um, courtesy of our friend Massey. Um, quite a big a big drug, actually. Um, I won't name it, there's no need to, but all I can say it was quite hefty. And, and people with narrow a narrow throat would have probably possibly had to ground it up and put it in food, like you do for pets. But no, I, I've found, yeah, just felt, felt a bit grim yesterday. And as the day went on, felt grimmer and grimmer and grimmer. Uh, and you kindly drove the, the three and a half hour transfer, which is really good of you. But I'm, I'm not feeling any better, but I'm not feeling any worse. But the drugs are helping. And also the fact that we're near the sea. We've had a nice cup of coffee. We've got to the start area in plenty of time. And the sun's out. So my spirits are lifted and, and certainly not dimmed. I just physically don't feel um, optimal at the moment. But, um, and, and we're just looking at the profile today of the stage. And we're doing our prep. And really there's... I did, I did my prep in four minutes. Yeah, it was. For, yeah, I think I, my, mine was five purely because all I did, in addition to yours, was just put a highlighter over some letters, uh, and, that, and that was it. Because it's flat. Well, it's not even flat. It's slightly downhill. But five hundred meters of descent. Five hundred meters of descent. Um, Finishes a meter above sea level and starts at something like five hundred thirty-two. Yes, yeah, so it's dropping pretty much all the way to the to the seaside, isn't it? In uh, Caorle, which is. Um, which is a lovely place, actually. It's really. You went for a long, long run this morning. And but w- one of my favourite things about this morning, which I hadn't seen you do before, we always look at one of the most important things about bicycle racing, uh, apart from the parkour and and the riders, is the wind direction. Um, and because it's very flat today, the wind could and will play a part. But I've never seen it done before um, with a human hand. And it probably c- goes back to your days uh, treading the boards in the theatre. And, and, and Ned had his phone out and was looking at the wind direction and I was quite bamboozled I said Ned just can you simplify this in some way maybe using mime and opened up the book got the map out and four of his fingers acted as arrows like on an old fashioned weather forecast uh, And but then you moved them from the left to the right sorry um, and I, it was just and immediately I knew what the wind was going to do today mm. good that isn't it yeah yeah, my hands kind of became the weather, didn't they? They, yeah. they Well, it went beyond just representing the weather. It, the illusion was complete. That um, m- m- the wind was, yeah, it fle- made flesh and blood by my hands. Oscillated. See, that, the point I was trying to make was that 
predominantly today it's going to be a, a, at times a block headwind in the last 30 kilometres but looking at the forecast there's a degree of oscillation and swirliness about the, the weather forecast today so, that word so, swirliness. so, so I, was, I was using my fingers as kind of like on a, as if they were um, as if I sort of like had a, a no I can't say that really because it, it might offend religious people but a nail through the palm um, yeah. A, a fixed point. Oh, the fixed point. Oh, yeah, it doesn't have to be a nail. Like just a another pivot point. Yeah, pivot yeah. point yeah. in the middle of my palm. But that meant I could sort of like move my fingers around, you know, around that pivot point to 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 indicate the, the wind direction. What's is there's a, there's a record, a single or an album, and it's, it's not called the not called the wind beneath my fingers. Is there wind beneath my wings? Wind beneath my. Isn't there a wind beneath my fingers as well? I think it might be a pop. Who who's I got I got Nina Hagen horribly wrong the the other day Did yesterday, you? so I'm going to be very cautious because it wasn't Nina Hagen was a Deutsche Neue Welle artist had nothing to do with 1999 nine, Luftballons. She was someone else. The hit was from Nina, just Nina, Nina the surname. Yeah, it's spelled N-E-N-A, whereas Nina Hagen is spelled N-I-N-A. Someone totally different. Wow, well, is that so? I'm, I'm staying away from pop. Okay. So over to you on this one I think it's let me just check this out just, just talk for a briefly a minute mate we'll know how yeah. so I, I, my fingers. I'm enjoying the pitch of your slightly infection affected Maybe. voice at the moment because I think you could cash in because you might be feeling so much better tomorrow that your voice will be an octave higher so if you if there's any lo- local radio work you can do just on the side casually to sort of get some recordings done today I'd do it today because um, it just, you're sounding good. You're sounding good. Um, can you just introduce today's stage with your with your with your slightly gravelly voice? Yeah. Okay. Uh, today's stage, uh, Giuritalia stage 17, 197 kilometres from Pergine Valciugana to Caorle. That's good. I mean, I'd pay upwards if I was in charge of acquisitions at say BBC Northampton. I'd pay 45 quid for that. I tell you what, Ned. That's. I might go 50. Really? If you threw in a tweet about BBC Radio Northampton that's as well, diff- uh, we're not being, I'm not won't be fun. It's a different conversation, but yeah, at least ballpark. The, the week that I think we could we could work with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and and also if, if BBC Northampton were covering the Giro d'Italia, which they might yeah. be, I don't know if they are. I don't know if they are because I've not seen them. No. I've not seen I've not seen them. Uh, I know that they once they were once at the 1994 edition of Tour of the Hopfields. Uh, they were there. Uh, weird because it wasn't anywhere near Northampton, but perhaps there was a, a kind of small sporting interest and that was one of my favourite ever podiums so I won the 1994 Tour of the Hopfields Was this the one with the step ladder? No this oh, was the one with one. double decker bus as the podium <laughs> Are you making this up? No uh, double decker bus as the podium and get this Wolf from Gladiators gave me my prize That's fantastic was, Are there, are there any pictures of this? No, 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 not that I know of. It's a pre-digital age, wasn't yeah, it? It's was 1994. Uh, I was away with Jez Hunt in this break, and I, I somehow won it. And um, but the, and there's this big double-decker bus at the finish line, but one of those touring ones that the organisers clearly hired. Yeah. Um, so it's a yeah open-top bus, and um, yeah, it was Wolf uh, uh, present from from Gladiators. It's amazing. With the hair uh, dressed as a gladiator. Yeah. Gave him a prize. What was the prize? Can you remember? I think it was. I think it was six hundred quid. Nine ninety four. Yeah. Well, that yeah. That tells a very. That tells a story about your earning potential and down the years. Nineteen ninety four. You're picking up six hundred quid for a bike race, and here, here you are doing a voiceover for forty five quid. Um, best part of thirty years later. Yeah. It's 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 just just the way it's it is. Tumble, isn't it? Isn't it? Taking a tumble, but I'm just glad of the work, Ned. <laughs> <laughs> can you name? Actually, think about it. I can name a current. I can name two current pros from the Northamptonshire general area. 
I can't. Alice and Hannah Barnes. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, I should know, because I, I, I had Alice on my pod and I did a quiz about Northampton. <laughs> I, I, I wrote, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so, yeah, that, I, that, that does obviously clearly ring a bell. I think she got... I think she got... She was quite competitive. She got three, three out of the four questions right, actually. She was really competitive and uh, quite... I like her. She's very dry. Very Alice very, or Hannah? Uh, Alice, Alice, sorry. Alice. Yeah. Very, very dry. Very funny. But yeah, from Northampton. Yeah, I did because I did my first time. I did. I toured my one man show. I did a. I did. Uh, I did my show at the Derngate Theatre, which is a fantastic theatre in Northampton. And, and um, I think both of them came. Certainly, Hannah came with uh, their mum and dad. Came to see the show, and it involved a, um, a inner tube challenge. You know, taking an inner tube out and like pump, putting a new one in and pumping it up. Baldman won. Uh, like he did, did it in one thirty-eight or something. Smashed it. Um, but I think Hannah very gamely. Uh, took part in that challenge on the stage. I think that's right. I think I'm right to say she was definitely in the audience. But yeah, was that was that Hannah and her sister? Very good. What was that? A Woody Allen film. Woody Allen film. Hannah and her sisters. Yeah. I think it was an S at the end. Um, pluralised slightly. Yeah, but uh, I don't think I've seen that one. What's your, are What's you your favourite Woody Allen line? Line. Line. I don't know because I, I don't think I've, I've got one because I, I can't remember any of the lines. But my favourite um, film of his is Midnight in Paris. Yeah, that's a good film. Time travel one. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's a wonderful film. Like Sleeper? Yes. When the Orb. Yeah, but it's a lot of it's silent, isn't it? Yeah. Paul Part, it's very, it's a yeah. strange film, but I've not seen it for probably 30 years. Yeah. But Sleeper's strange. When he's dressed, is he dressed as a tablet or just an, like an orb? Yeah. Uh, white? Y- yeah, there's that thing where he's, it's very strange for, oh, look, there's a dog. Oh, dog. look, dogs of the Giro. We haven't had one yet. Hello. Hello, old chap. How you doing? Oh, he's, oh, he's just, it's quite a hot day. He's just scrabbling up to it on a chair. He's just going to have a little nap next to us. Nice, oh, isn't he? He's look got his, at his little face. He's a boxer, isn't he? He's a boxer, and look, uh, the most ex- saggy chops on the on the on the sort of like arm of the chair now, isn't he? He's grey. He's a, he's a li- he's been around a little bit. At t- I mean, I'm not a dog expert, but that's a lovely little dog there. But he just look, look, look at the, look how expressive his little plinky eye capsules are. Look at that. Um, where were we? I don't know. Uh, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Um, what's your favourite line? Because I haven't got one. I can't remember which film it's from. Is there a film called Annie? Hall. Annie Hall. She parks. I think. I think one of the running jokes. I mean, it, he's just slightly sus, suspicious oh, chap, yeah. isn't it? So I don't feel terribly comfortable about kind of bigging but him up. But his films are his films, aren't they? I mean, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, but yeah. But she. I think one of the one of the jokes in that film. I've a long time since I've seen it. Is that she's she's a bit kind of clumsy and clunky. Is that right? I've yeah. seen it, but it's a long time ago. And she can't park, so it's like some quite sexist tropes in it. She's not very good at parking, but there's quite a funny line where I think she parks quite badly in New York, quite a far, quite a long way from the pavement. And Woody Allen gets out of the car on the passenger side and looks at the sort of excessive gap and goes, "It's okay, I can walk to the curb from here." <laughs> That's that quite fun. That is quite. That is good. It's good impression as well. It's okay. I can. I can. I can walk to the. It's okay. I can walk to the curb from here. Are oh, you? Think you've hi- yeah, yeah you've, you go like that. So it's okay. I can I can walk to the curve from here. What are you? It's amazing what we can do when we change to describe what we're actually doing with our with our tongue and our throat. We, we, it's difficult. It's amazing how we can mimic, isn't it? But with that, we, we know the sound, but we can control. It's that I think one of the things about being human is that we don't fully understand ourselves. But just the ability to mimic when you when you think about it, it's it's pretty nuts, isn't it? What we can do. Without even thinking. First of all, you have to put yourself in the mental space of occupying that c- character, yeah. um, and then you have to instruct your body your subconsciously. You have to. You have to. Well, you have to kind of like then somehow unconsciously instruct all the all your f- 
fibres of your to, to kind of replicate that. It's quite magical, really, isn't it? I'm a good impressionist, and I'm not obviously as I just brought. I'm not a good impressionist, but a good impressionist is an artist. Like, yeah, it's an amazing thing to. I don't know. Can, could you do the um? Could, Introduce, shall I try and introduce the, today's stage? In, um, okay, today, so, today, stage, stage 17, oh, I can't, no, I've lost it, I've lost her. Stage 17 and a jeered Italia, it got, uh, no, he doesn't talk like that, does it's he? It's kind of, because he's like, <laughs> he doesn't, really exasperated, so, it's Virginia, Valsugana, they gotta go, you gotta go 197 kilometers to a finish line, it's in Caiorle, you know, I can't, I can't put it any other way, it's in Caiorle. Then you went a little bit Northern Irish at the, at the end there. You just just at the end went, yeah. Now, a Twitter user last night, um, out of the blue, said something about, you know you're always saying that Ben Healy sounds like Dan Martin? Uh, I mean, uh, yes. We, yeah, because, yeah, because he is. Even my dad said that, as we know. Yeah. He said, have you ever noticed how Adam Blythe sounds like Dave Brailsford? And I went, yes. You've said that. I've said that. You've said that in the car. I've said that in the times. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's okay. really interesting that another human being has identified it. So yeah. it's right, therefore. If two human beings say the same thing, therefore it's right. Well, that, that can now formally enter. Um, it, it's the... What's the... Um, is it if it's common... common par- becomes common parlance. Mm. It can go... It can end up in the... Um, Oxford Dictionary, can't it? If it's accepted as common parlance. Yeah, the committee has to kind of like, yeah. you know, I don't know if Adam Blythe sounding like Dave Brown, I don't know how that specifically no, ends up in the Oxford Dictionary. word, is it? No. It's, it's just a thing. <laughs> yeah, so it may not end up in the dictionary, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's no, no, notable. But um, yeah, so right at the beginning, I mentioned Kaole and Hemingway again, and I'm sorry about being a Hemingway bore, but it, it, I can't, I went on my run this morning, and I know that, I know that Kaole was a very important uh, strategic location for the Italian army during the First World War. So uh, Hemingway must have spent time here during the war, and he, but he came back here later, the guest of some um, after the war. In fact, I think, in fact, I think even after the Second World War, so a long time later, um, Hemingway returned here as the guest of a local uh, aristocrat um, and spent years, I think, on a, a little island out in the Kaiole Lagoon um, where he wrote uh, the book that I, uh, I, I just quoted from actually that I've not read before um, but I've, I've had a little read of it this morning across the river and into the trees which is um tells a story of uh, a, 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 a journey down the coast stopping off at various different places going duck shooting in the lagoon during the winter and then stopping off in Venice and then inevitably because it's Hemingway falling in love with a 20 year old uh, Italian beauty Venetian beauty called Renata um, but I I didn't realize there was a, such a direct connection with um Caiole where we are the seaside, the seaside resort it's got a kind of Really nice seaside resort, but very heavily built up and quite modern, away from the Centro Storico. Um, until I went for my run this morning and I passed the um, signs to the uh, Teatro Hemingway. So he's well remembered, and um, you can go on, you can go on a kind of Hemingway guided tour around here to all the various different places that he refers to. I would absolutely love to do that. I'd come along with you, definitely. Would you have come yeah, along? Uh, totally, totally, yeah. Unfortunately, we, yeah. We've got a bit of time, but we've, we're on air in two hours. Do you think there's any way... I wonder if there's anybody just knocking about who happened to be English that could commentate for us for maybe just two and a half hours. Just get us through to just before the second interview. We could pick it up with... Um, What's well, 197 Ks today? If we could pick it up with around about... 8Ks to go, so that would only mean that, that if they could do the first 189, yeah. plus the neutralised rollout, oh, how long is that today? Oh, 6.5. It's unnecessary though, isn't it, Ned? Yeah, I mean, well, it takes it just over 200, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, 203.5 now, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, 
I'd, I'd be up for that. I yeah. mean, eight k is that fair? I tell you what, ten. Let's, let's take the last ten. Just be fair. And then there can Just be, be no questions. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to upset <clears throat> Bruno and the rest of the, the rest of the crew really, or Andrea. Yeah. But yeah, let's do that. Let's see if we can find anybody. Yeah. Um, and just a word on yesterday, Matt. Yeah. Or, or rather, maybe not on yesterday, but on the GC race now, because who's going to? I've got no idea who's going to win this bike. I don't it's know. It's brilliant. We'd. I think we have to admit because we've had discussions, and again, I can't remember when we've had discussions. We just chat a lot over a, it's going to be about 120 hours in total of the Giro then probably that amount again in the car and then another and then another sleeping another eight hours podding or whatever so I can't remember when I've said it but we have said that we've almost I think fallen into the trap of thinking Almeida will be happy with third here I think Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and and it's all about um, Geraint versus Primoz but the way Almeida took it up yesterday uh, and that sparkle in his eye subsequently on the podium a significant moment for him it's his first Grand Tour stage win after not quite delivering but being there thereabouts but that win and the way we saw I wouldn't say we saw a complete and utter capitulation of, of Jumbo Visma but it wasn't the Jumbo Visma that we're used to seeing even the way that Primoz Roglic was riding a little bit further back with Kuss and then with with Rowan on his own at the front Rowan doing a, a great Rowan job but the fact they were disconnected mm-hmm. and when he went it was just odd mm. so that there were the seeds there but the way that Almeida took it up and, and immediately within seconds after a brief spread across the road as everybody was surprised um, got Jay Vine working McNulty uh, well Jay Vine did an, an amazing turn just ripped that group down to five or six riders Formula first wasn't yeah, it I think Formula, Formula did first. the first bit yeah. and then Vine took over did a, right. yeah he did a great ride yeah I, I, but I just think that immediate, that reconfiguration yeah. showed firstly um, he's got a strong team yeah. who can go deep into the race yeah. ambition uh, uh, ambition belief leadership uh, le- and the fact that he said well if I, that, and that, that interview at the end was revealing well if I feel I want to uh, I'll attack I'll attack if I get it wrong I get it wrong you've got to try mm. and he tried and he's turned the race around mm. um, or he's given mm. the race another facet we didn't think we'd see yeah. I, must, I, I must admit I thought that Almeida would just follow and be not happy with third but like be like okay third yeah. but um well, there were three he, phases of yeah. Almeida's climb, weren't there? There was that decision, like, put the team on the front to shred it, take the responsibility. Then when the group had been whittled down to just the favourites plus um, Eddie Dunbar yep. and, and Sepp Kors. Him, so yeah. that, that when that group was, he just sat on the front and he, he dragged, he towed them along. And, and, and we, we, we observed. And, we, we, and, and it was a good three or four minutes. Yeah. Finally flicked the elbow and I thought, well, is, is this wise? But yeah. obviously it was putting them under a lot of pressure yeah. and was, was, felt good. And then went and floated off the front and Sepp Kuss, I thought well, Sepp Kuss is just going to reel him in really quickly. But it just didn't happen. Yeah. And eventually, we don't know at what point Geraint decided that Roglic was struggling. I mean, bear in mind, these riders will know each other innately and, and there'll be key little signalers. It was like, okay, he's not right. And then he hit him, jumped across to Almeida uh, on that steeper section. Sepp Kuss did a fantastic ride also, I think. They weren't fortunate. It was just the fact that the gradient lessened. Yeah. And that, that would have afforded Roglic a little bit of time to sit on the wheel of Kuss at the speeds they would have been travelling at to recover yeah. and then go again and close the gap a little bit. But um, on a different finish, I mean, if that was a, a bad day by Roglic, fine. But if that is his form, I would say that um, he's definitely beatable in this race. Um, but, but it's still balanced, 28, 29 seconds between the top three. Uh, and that's it. And um, with two brutal stages still to come tomorrow and the next day and then the time trial... Uh, but Almeida looks good. 
he looks very, but so does Geraint. Your words in the car last night, I think, just looks solid. He just looks, but just I mean, look at the experience. That look, at it. I was just going back through his Palmares and I thought, Blood, this lad's won some big bike races. Mm-hmm. He's won some big, all that experience, and knows himself probably like no, no other rider, just because he's been around. He's 12 years the senior of Jao Almeida, and he looks great. And he's, I think, he's relatively fresh as well. Uh, Almeida's been not had a win this year but been consistent all through the year um, Geraint's primarily been training and building to this point but Geraint has looked the best Geraint for a long time um, but he's also looking like he could win this bike race so I think it's I think it's wonderfully poised um, but the rider that has surprised us the most I think is, is Almeida and, and I think it's so good for the race that he's now emerged as more than a genuine contender a realistic threat to win this race yeah absolutely but, um, just to finally before we go and commentate Charlie Quarterman I sent him a message this morning thinking it was a tailwind today I said Charlie today nailed on Charlie Quarterman uh, breakaway today and I even told him when to attack a railway bridge just outside town I said that's where you go good luck launch your attack there Could just see him that, the, you know the, they've only got the group of three riders with a couple of Bardianis they've only got they've only got 25 seconds you know and the, the, the cars have been pulled out of the gap and it's all crumbling but Cortman just sees this little bridge and he attacks doesn't he and he holds him off in the tailwind all the way to the finish and it's heroic so I've given him his game plan I've told him but I yeah, realise it's a headwind but then you just so, the weather conditions completely and utterly wrong utterly no, wrong so sorry Charlie um, you know good luck but um, it may be harder than my initial instructions to you um, uh, uh, pervade. Uh, you've got your phone switched off now because you, you're probably preparing for the race. Um, so if you do attack, uh, it's my fault. Sorry. The absolute marvel of Kaiole is right in the centre of the old historic heart of the old town, which is a predominantly made of sort of quite low-rise fishermen's cottages and little. Um, uh, mercantile dwellings and shops but towering above all of that is are two structures which have survived for over a thousand years uh, the 11th century campanile bell tower which is um absolutely wonderful red brick uh it's got a slight lean to it just leaning as i'm looking at it in this bright sunshine slightly to the left as if bracing itself against the northerly wind that's blowing down the coast today and a stone's throw from the bell tower, the 11th century um, cathedral of Santo Stefano, which is a Romanesque um, church, which from the outside looks relatively modest. You step inside out of the bright sunshine and it is fabulous. It's not Baroque. It's the opposite of Baroque. Uh, there's very little painting left on the walls that would have originally been painted. The windows are high and small. Um, and as a result, uh, it's dark in there, really dark. Uh, brick pillars support a on either side of the nave support a, a dark timbered vaulted roof um, and it's austere which is kind of how I like my churches if I'm perfectly honest and in stark contrast to a lot of the baroque adorned churches uh, that predominate throughout a large amount of the rest of Italy so it's, it's ancient it's got um, an altarpiece that dates back to the first century the Byzantine uh, Roman Empire and um, a, and a, an enormous wooden cross that hangs above the altar, suspended by chains in thin air, 
um, that dates back to the 15th century, wood carved cross. And uh, it is amid the hurly burly of the Giro, a lovely place just to spend 20 minutes or so, escaping the din. 11th century. Blimey. Um, well, flipping neck. I mean, the race is about to start, but far bigger news than that is you've just come back from the supermarket <coughs> with, oh, I'm frankly, unbelievably gorgeous Insalata Frutti di Mari, for which I thank you. Um, thanks. That's how you thank someone. It's one of that. those ones where you had to get a ticket and then choose Properly and point choose. at it. And it's, I, I just did. It's just gonna. It's made me really happy. So thanks. You've got some raspberries as well. But all that can wait because breaking news is. Well, I was walking up, we're on the second floor of the commentary um, like booth, we've got one on the top floor, so I walked up the steps, swung immediately left in through the door, and who should be standing there, as he quite often is, because he works with us just down the other, the other side, was Alan Jett, Alessandro Pataki. Um, T-shirt, um, gold reflective sunglasses on, um, and I said, ciao, good morning, he said the same thing. I turned to walk towards you in the corner, doing your prep, and I felt this tap on the shoulder, and it, I thought, well, it's obviously going to be Alan tapping me on the shoulder. I turned around and Alan looked at me and he leant in, leant in slightly closer to my face as if he you know, wanted to tell me something of importance. So he looked me in the eye, well I couldn't, I guess he was because he had reflective glasses on, but looked at me, pointed to you in the corner and said, along the lines of, you've got, this man's fast, he's fast, this good guy, fast form, he's good, huh? But in, not in Belgian, in, in an Italian accent. Pointed at me. He pointed at you and said he's good. And he said, I see him running on the beach. He's strong. Be fast. I mean, I did pass, and then, Alan. And then he, sh- sh- then he sh- did that head shake as if he couldn't believe that. Compre- uh, couldn't, no. couldn't comprehend yeah, yeah. how strong I was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 it's true. We, I passed him this morning. Um, first time I've seen him out running, actually. But, yeah, just I was pushing on a little bit. Just opening the taps a little bit. Did you recognise them then? Because you saw, did you then? It was quite easy to. Yeah, I did. Oh, did what, you yeah. Just open up a little I bit. Did, like just a sort of slight running flex. flex. Yeah, yeah a slight bit. running flex. Yeah, he wasn't hard to spot, I'll be honest. I was going to ask you to set the scene even more, take us back to the run. What was Alan wearing? I spotted him at about a distance of, I think, um, 1.6 kilometres. Yeah, uh, coming towards me. Quite he a long was wearing, way. Yeah, he was wearing um, uh, day glow orange, uh, high socks, almost to the knee. Um, quite popular, aren't they, these days? Yeah. Uh, tight, tight nylon running shorts, um, a, a very fitted sleeveless, all in orange, um, uh, running gilet vest, um, not gilet vest, yeah. top. Yeah. Um, he had uh, he had shades, running shades. Oh yeah, sorry, I've forgotten who to. Yeah, running shades, and he had a kind of sweat bandana situation. So full 1980s, early 90s running clobber, and he was shifting. He's he's Alessandro Pataki. So because I was pushing on a bit, and as he says, I'm a strong guy. Yeah, strong guy. Our closing speed as we uh, you know came towards one another. Uh, must have been, yeah, something to behold. If you've yeah, been yeah. casually sort of watching at a, you know, a, a, a beachfront cafe, that would have been some. We just probably felt felt the wind, felt some sort of weird vortex created as you as you pass by. Sort of optical Doppler effect. Yeah, 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 um, totally. Uh, audio and op- and uh, and yeah. uh, oral. That match, the same thing. The seafood salad and Alessandro Pataki telling me that I'm a strong guy. I'm set up. We're ready. Things to go. looking up for today. Things looking up. Buongiorno and benvenuti. It's a total change on the Giro today as the race drops out of the Alps and heads yet again for the Adriatic. In fact, for the third time in as many weeks. So no categorised climbs at all on today's extraordinary route. In fact, there is an aggregate drop of over 500 metres. Basically, it's a downhill chase all the way to the seaside. 
Close on the front, staying easy, pushing. And here comes Milan, Matthews, Consoni, Matthews. What a strong ride from Michael Matthews. Can he hold them off? Dainese finishing with a flourish. Dainese and Milan. That is tight on the line. Well, well, well. Another day in the breakaway. It wasn't exactly uh, what I was thinking about yesterday after seven hours on the bike with the with the 5,000 meters, but um, but I had enough people, uh, enough of my friends and family and uh, people on Twitter, of course, uh, motivating me to, to to give it a go today. And of course, it was the kind of the last chance before before hitting the big mountains and, and getting to the end of this year, which is the big goal now. But yeah, I made it in and uh, had a nice day out front. Um, well, I guess the, the atmosphere wasn't fantastic. We, we knew with... With the big roads and the the quite strong headwind we had the whole day, um, we never really felt that confident about it. And uh, the peloton also gave us very little um, time. It kept on it kept us on a very short leash. So, yeah, <laughs> there's a few moments where we the the mood wasn't great in the group. We we weren't very hopeful. We were just there kind of using our legs and. And uh, in a bad way, but in the end, no, no. I mean, that was kind of the way it felt, but it wasn't at all the case. It was good to to be out the front and give it a go, and we managed to accelerate in the last hour and a half. But uh, obviously, there was a little bit too much power in the peloton, and uh, and that was it. So, uh, so that was my day out the front. Unfortunately, it coincided with my my stomach problems coming back, so <laughs> I suffered quite a big time for for that. Um, once I arrived, uh, once I arrived on the bus but I won't go into into the details there was a funny moment once I crossed the finish line and uh, and how the which kind of goes to show how things change well where the attention lies I had a nice day out front and I think I got quite a lot of attention for it and obviously the last kilometres once I was dropped people were were shouting and applauding as, as always which is lovely uh, it was a funny moment when I crossed the line I saw Dainese who had won um, coming back and there's a really funny group of about 20 people kind of trotting around him um, you know the the usual circus that follows the winner he seemed to have just found out that he, he was first across the line and uh, you know I, I really had to get out of the way as if I was a spectator you know as they, as they ran towards me um, but there were so many people all running in a, at just high enough speed to uh, to follow Dainese uh, it looked like a club run you know <laughs> and I, yeah, I hastily got out of the way and uh, <coughs> let the let the runners get on with their business, and I uh, scuttled off to uh, to my bus and uh, have a glass of uh, glass of water just to calm down. But yeah, anyway, that was fun. I'm definitely not going to feel that tomorrow. Oh, for for another two two mountain days. But yeah, putting it all in for Rome now. Ah, and finally. It's really funny to hear all these people telling me that I sound more like a like a Frenchman living in England than an Englishman living in French uh, in French in France. Um, excuse my English. I'm not sure how, how happy my family will be about that one, but uh, but we. Eddie, bonne soirée, salut. A detail that didn't actually get reflected in that finish line commentary because. At, in the moment, it was frankly too close to call, is that the winner was Alberto Dainese. Yeah. 
by a tyre. By, by a tyre. By a tyre. Um, it was very close. And uh, now we're driving away from the finish line, and we are, well, you've just been slightly dropped, just gapped by a Bahrain Victorious VW Transporter, in the back of which is... Jonathan Milan. Yeah, literally. Uh, but what we saw them do, we, we, we're sure, because the, we're going, there's a lot of traffic, and their vehicle, it's a, um, a Volkswagen multivan, um, which... I'm just going to follow them. Although we could go for that one, um, yeah. quite a big, quite a big sort of vehicle, like a van, not a lorry. Oh, they've got a, uh, they've got a telepass. They're off. Oh. They're off. And we've got to get a I've ticket. Got, I've got to get a biglietto, which I'm going to do. Yeah. Car's still moving. Ned, no, it's not. It's stopped. We're yeah. off. Right, right. Mi- we're no, off. Milan's got 100 yards on you. You've got to jump. Yeah, same direction to Trieste. Pace my way across the gap. So no, he's putting some power down, isn't he, Milan? Though now. But I was pretty sure there was a moment. We're only doing about 50k an hour when the van began began to rock from side to side and I noticed that everybody in the van was either dancing or doing an impression of Jonathan Milan sprinting which I've never seen before but it's clearly including uh, Jonathan Milan yeah Milan's doing a Milan inside a van yeah uh, so it's like doing an impression of himself um, so yeah and we're, we're catching up now I'm just going to put my big lieto down there I'm feeling a lot better Ned my voice is still a bit gravelly yeah I'm feeling a lot better I took took some drugs um well, Not, who was it saying the drugs don't work? Um, I think it was um, the Verve. Well, they were wrong. Because, in, 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 yeah, the drugs have worked really well for you, haven't they? They do. I had a mate called Steve Farrell who won a stage of the milk race. And he's a chemist. And the stage of the milk race he, he won finished right outside the branch, branch of boots that he worked at. And he, he, was, he agreed that the drugs do work, is what I was trying to say. He wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> which, Not on that occasion. Where, which branch was that? Uh, Stoke-on-Trent. We've both been there. Tour series. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, yeah. on the ring road, there's a branch of Boots, and uh, it's still there, same one. Yeah. Boots tend to do that. They tend to buy up property and just stay there for a long time. And that's just based on me being relatively old and passing certain places in the UK where previously I've seen a branch of Boots and I've revisited 20 years later and there's still a branch of Boots. That's how I work that out. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but So that's, yeah, again, <laughs> it's not factually correct, just based on... On, on my own reality yeah. but yeah drugs do work and I feel better yeah. um, so here's to chemists <laughs> <laughs> things that you probably shouldn't say in cycling podcasts no. but uh, there we go um, yeah ibuprofen it was, yes it was and it was a 400 mil it was a big one yeah. uh, so thanks to Massey I've got one left which I'll probably take tonight yeah. uh, and it will help me through but yeah I feel a lot better thanks you do you sound like, in fact you're almost making up for your absence on the podcast with, yeah. uh, with that story about boots which was only t- very I would suggest loosely related to uh, the, the milk race at best. Who was it? As a mate of it, was the best man. At, um, I've been married before, but my, my Steve Farrell was an exceptionally good cyclist um, who uh, is still around, still a chemist, um, and really, really super intelligent, but nuts, absolutely crazy uh, guy. Um, started a stage of the Tour of Lancashire once. He'd been working at Boots, um, turned up, and it was a prologue hill climb time trial, and he'd driven... And rather than put take his work clothes off, just to be funny, he always used to have hairy legs, rode in his work socks, which were long, um, hairy legs, and he had his work shirt underneath his skin suit, and he got the collar and made it pop out the top to see, and then promptly came third. It was that wow. good. Wow. Yeah, I mean, a real legend. But fun, funny, strange, but very, very good bike rider. Um, and one of his best wins was a stage of the milk race. It was away all day long, really hilly stage. And it won literally the finish line. There was the branch of boots just there. Um, yeah, 
but yeah, Stu Farrell, best man at my wedding, lovely bloke, but a complete nutter. Brilliant. Um, it wasn't just Jonathan Milan who we've had a, a, a little bit of uh, direct contact with um, post-stage. I had a very, very, very small a shred of banter with um, face-to-face with the Maglia Rosa of the Giro d'Italia, Geraint Thomas. And, and how did that go? Uh, it's hard to say because um, he was walking towards his uh, Swanee's vehicle and I was just cycling past on your Brompton, which you lent me actually just to get to the car where you were waiting. Um, so I d- didn't want to hang around. I also didn't want to delay him. He's got a bike race to win. But I hadn't seen him for a long time, you know, face to face because I don't get to see these guys. So I just stopped briefly and I wished him all the best um, for any kind of, you know, flicker recognition. You know, he's greeting me. But he, he was wearing an industri- industrial standard Ineos face mask. So it was um, there wasn't a great deal of sort of like, uh, I can hear a word he said, to be honest, because Right. Could you discern anything from his comportment? I mean, uh, anything aside from what we've seen in the racing? Because quite often when you see somebody firsthand, and, and although quite often if you're watching t- cycling on a 4K television, um, it's better than real life, that's been proven as well. But it's not the same as being face-to-face with a rider and sensing. Did you, could you read anything else into what you saw? It's his birthday tomorrow, it's going to be 37. Um, did you get a kind of hint of excitement or like concern from that brief encounter? just looks super he does genuinely look just incredibly relaxed he does in all seriousness you're right he does and you know I, I think I think I think he is approaching this Giro five years after his Tour de France win completely different set of circumstances to that 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 um, win at the Tour de France in 2018 where he did feel the pressure he didn't sh- he didn't let it show he's very good at masking it but you know everything that you've read subsequent I remember did, I did a long interview with him about it for the road book and kind of like ghosted helped and ghost write an account of how he won the um, the the Tour de France that year, and it did it did reveal itself that at times he'd felt the stress of that. You know, there was a there were a few dynamics in that team. You know, I think there was a there was a slight underscore of tension that I, I don't think it was much more than that. Just an underscore of occasional tension in his relationship with Chris Froome. It was non-verbal. So uh, I think Froome, being Froome, being the racing animal that he is, did not let go of the belief that he could still win that bike race until very late in the race. That, that, that was pretty clear, especially that final time trial and stuff like that. It was just clear that if he could have taken it f- fairly, yeah. he wasn't going to ever concede. And you, it was never spoken of, but you could just tell on the road. And uh, they didn't. Yeah. They never discussed that no, no. at all um, until after the race, and probably even not even then <laughs> between the pair of them. Um, so that must have been quite hard for Thomas to live with it. That, you know, the four-time Tour de France winners just won the Giro d'Italia, and before that, the Vuelta is kind of breathing down your neck on GC and you, you're in this position with that. that must have been so he coped with the pressure enormously well and also just the whole business of winning a Grand Tour for the first time and then I remember him talking about the um, how good he was feeling and the Mur de Bretagne stage which is I think in the first week and being tempted to kind of like I think it was the Mur de Bretagne anyway being, that stage Dan won it might have been, yeah. yeah I think yeah. it was. Being, being tempted Martin, yeah. to go yeah. and then remembering that, you know, you, to use his term, you only have so many matches. Um, but in this race, he, ca- he, ca- he came to it with uncertain form, but a suspicion that he might get stronger. And he must be, he must be just feeling stellar at the moment. And, um, yeah, so I think he's just... It's the... Oh, I don't know. I think he's... I don't know. I don't know. I think he's just got... He has got now, at his age, as you said, it's his 37th birthday tomorrow, he's got the perfect psychological makeup of a Grand Tour racer. And especially at this point of his career, if he doesn't win the Giro, it's not a disaster. He's won the Tour de France. Um, for Joao Almeida, I think 
who's looking wonderfully serene himself as well. And I don't know enough about him as or as well. I think it's slightly different because, you know, if he gets if he gets into that jersey, it's just going to be more kind. There's going to be slightly more at stake. I suppose that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think they, they're both approaching completely differently, as you say. Um, there's 12, 14 years between them, isn't there? I'm just turning off here, mate. This is quite an important junction, and there's a lot of concrete, um, and it's quite a tight turn. So I'm just going to commentate. When I was training in the police to do the driving, we had to commentate on our driving as part of the, the, the final exam on our blue light run. So I'm just, oh, hold on. Yep. See what I mean? Yeah. That went funny then, but now it's back again. Yeah, that's, that's a sat nav that you were commentating. Not yeah. me. And I, I paused because I became concerned. Yep. So um, we're going into essentially a, a berm, but, um, yep. and now we're just going to pick up, and I'm on the right road. But yeah, uh, so, so I can't quite talk about Almeida just yet, but now I can talk about Almeida. Um, and Thomas, you're quite right. They're both approaching it with different fucking... Sorry. Explicit episode. I thought that yeah. lorry was coming was towards coming you. Towards. No, it's not. There's a big concrete, know, like the, the, like a like the Berlin Wall sort of thing. But yeah, quite high actually. Yeah. It's a good, good four and a half, five foot. You've been uh, amazing on this podcast, and, and thanks. But you are the first person who's sworn on this podcast, and no, first, second, third, and fourth person. I'm sorry if you're kind of jotting. I can't be bothered to edit it out. I'm sorry. Right, I need to go down. This one got the Jonas. We've explained why we called the Jonas a Jonas, haven't we? Well, in case I haven't, it's probably worth it's probably worth saying again. Related, isn't it? Cycling yeah. podcast. I so somebody the other the other day on Twitter and you put it on Twitter. You retweeted it. Um, said this isn't really a cycling podcast. Oh, that's um, funny, wasn't it? It was, yeah, a, it was an funny. iTunes review, and yeah. it was a one star review, yeah. uh, which <laughs> it was ironic because it was a one star stage today, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, where was the cycling? This yeah. is a strange podcast. Not for me. Not for me. But yeah, like, no, I'll take the time yeah. just to tell everyone and leave a one star <laughs> review that um, yeah. to it. He, well, he, they have listened they, to the podcast. Yeah. So right, I'm going to uh, just slide in. So it's called the Vin- it's called the Jonas because it's this um, prepaid card that we the Giro organisers uh, give us, which gets us uh, through all the very very frequent payages. Although they're not payages, a French word, but the you know the toll booths in um, uh, Italian motorways. But the sign, the brand of the card looks like. And here's the point: it looks like Vin card, V I N card. It's not actually; it's Via card. Oh, if you look at it, well, but it do- doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's an N. It, it's, it's quite a bad sort of like font that's trying to make it look yeah. sort of futuristic, and so as a result, it's quite hard to read actually. And it looks like VIN card. So because we're quite amusing and we quite like making jokes about cycling, uh, we call it a Jonas VIN card. Yeah, Jonas yeah, Vingago so, so card. It's part it's of our vernacular that, that we, as we approach a toll booth, whoever's driving goes, "Mate, where's the Jonas? Can you pass me the Jonas?" It's almost like a, 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 a type of Cockney rhyming. Oh, that? Lu- yeah, we just passed Luca from Rai, the, um, the the editor chap who used to work with Massey. You remember? Oh him? yeah, of course, yeah. 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 I'm sorry, I won't look round because we're going forwards. But that's it. it's always nice because that's what we do when we're on the road. We pass and are overtaken often um, other other members of, of, of the big team that is the Giro d'Italia. Yeah. Um, but but just back briefly to how Geraint Thomas is riding. Um, and just the way he's on the podium. Did you nearly forget his name again then? No, I just okay. was trying to add a bit oh, of emphasis. Okay. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm proud enough now to admit when I, and I'm, I'm slightly falling apart at the moment. But on that occasion, it was purely for emphasis. Okay. But I, yeah, I have forgotten, and quite often do, uh, leave big pauses. Because um, <laughs> I forget Geraint's name, which is weirdly hilarious. But no, the way he's been carrying called himself. Called him Theo Gagenhart yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. No, t- no, just Theo Gagen. Then I realised because there's a hyphen. That hyphen brought me back, so I didn't fully. Implode. I remember. It was just 
briefly, so I'll get you get back to your point in a minute. I remember the first time that you remember the Velon the Velon Hammer series. Yeah. Weekly, yeah. Yeah. Of they, course, yeah. So Robbie McEwen rang me out of the blue before that. I don't know how he was like involved in kind of like booking commentators because he was commentating, but he rang me and said. Um, are you free to commentate with me on the, uh, the Hammer series? And I couldn't do it because I think it was during the Dauphiné or something like that. But anyway, I remember watching it. And do you remember that strange team time trial event that Ineos or Sky won? Yes. Uh, when they, when they, they, were, they caught some other teams on the line. I didn't understand it. And, it was just and, and really Teo was riding for that team, wasn't Teo he? Teo was riding. And, yeah. But Robbie had clearly never heard of Teo Gegenhardt before. He was commentating uh, on him for the first time. Right. And just gave up in multiple different ways on pronouncing his name at all I mean just mangled it in. it was very funny Gagagan Gagagan mate uh, Gagagan it's Tal Tal Gagagan uh, and then he just like he just gave up and started calling him Hard <laughs> what a ride from Hard <laughs> the boy Hard looks good to me but um, I must admit it did take a little while I know when Teo first I commentated on Teo first on telly yeah. when he was riding for Action Hagen or GB, one of the two, yeah. at the Tour of California. Yeah. Um, and I, it took me a while, and I, I can't remember who I was commentating with, and we, I think eventually I might have messaged Teo and got the pronunciation right, because it took a while for me, but yeah, we've got it now, haven't we? But it, 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 is, inter- yeah. it is interesting. But yeah, I, I, I did call Gerard Teo. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I, th- I think one of the things we've got to accept as well is I think we're, we're okay at our job, but also it's quite long. Although we're, we're essentially using our mouths to cycle the whole Giro d'Italia. And they're tired, aren't they? And we're, sometimes, tired, and we're sometimes dropping ourselves, aren't we? And then when we chase to catch up, we get a few things wrong. We, we take a corner at speed, a yeah. little bit too far. Fatigue setting in. Yeah, it's like, I think it's verbal fatigue is setting in. And sure. a bit of mental fatigue as well. It blew my mind when I was unnecessarily commentating over the unnecessary uh, white jersey standings that three quarters of an hour after the end of the race today when no one in the world is watching. But anyway, it's part of our contract. We do it. Do it to the best of our abilities. But I did notice that they had Joao Almeida's aggregate time, you know, no, his total time on the bike. And it was 71 hours, 59 minutes, and a second. Um, and I thought, and I you thought, you did my, say it out loud. I said it out loud because yeah. it's such a big number. And then I thought, yeah, but we've commentated for like longer, a lot longer than that. We must be close to 100 hours now. Yeah, I, I was doing a little bit of mental arithmetic, and then again, due to fatigue, I gave up. Um, but last year, we worked out roughly, and this was post-race, I think. Uh, we, we we did 115 hours of commentary, give Mate. or take, give well, or take. Like that, so that's like. Four days and nights, and then another day, just just non-stop talking. But then, if we factored in the podding, the pottery, uh, and factored in just the fact that we talk at weirdly, breakfast, we actually talk to each other quite a lot, which is kind of <laughs> maybe it says a lot. Clearly, we get on, don't we? But there's a lot of chat. Um, some of it, some of it, very strange. Some of it, hopefully, okay. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of talking. Um, so What's I your think, point about Geron Thomas, anyway? Yeah, this is what we do. We go off on tangents. But I think tangential chat is a skill. You need that to be able to commentate for that amount of time on a stage like today. You have to do it, otherwise you'd struggle, wouldn't you? But anyway, um, he just looks relaxed, he looks calm. And I noticed on the podium today, there was something else. Um, just through looking at the way his face was and, and the way he s- s- smiled, there was something, there was a, there was a new a newer confidence in the way he stood on the podium today um, and despite the loss of key teammates um, he I think that ride yesterday and a, t- a bit of time to relax a little bit on the bike relatively speaking today a relatively easy day 
piloted perfectly by Puccio and Swift into that safety net of, of three kilometres to go and then dropping back. Um, I think he's at, at relative peace. I don't think he can really do any more. Um, but Almeida equally on the podium looks just the same, looks calm. But there was something else about Gerrard on the podium. There was a little twinkle. That smile seemed more natural and less going through the motions. I, I think there's a confidence to Gerrard. That's what I drew from that, the little bit that, we, uh, that, I, that I saw. But also... Like he's a superstar of the sport. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. Um, and you know he's, oh, no, he's, he's, he's leading the Giro d'Italia in Italy, and the crowd were immense. It was a yeah. lovely warm afternoon. Possibly the biggest crowd today, I think. It was wasn't a it? huge crowd, especially because a local lad won. You know, Alberto Dainese is from Veneto, which uh, meant that even more people wanted to see him on the podium, and they hung around to, obviously to see the Maglia Rosa, the next person as well. And how could you not? How could you not? The day before your thirty seventh birthday, step not enjoy stepping out in front of this sea of warm faces cheering your name. You know, I mean, crikey, Matt, it's um, he's he's got enough perspective now to understand that these days are numbered now. I mean, he even said it, didn't he? He said one of the things that he found quite moving about, or quite struck, striking about Cavendish's announcement of his retirement is, oh, my days are number two, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, totally. Um, it's uh, I think, and with that, there's a. T- I mean, Mark Cavendish has announced his retirement now, as we know. Geraint hasn't. Uh, he said he will after the Giro. Um, now, if he wins the Giro, he could go either way. So, well, I want to end up end up on the top and just see what happens this year. But there's a part of him because he's a racer. He's a. He's a, he's a so again, it's maybe that's a lazy phrase, but he is. He, he clearly likes it, uh, and is one of the best in the world. But you'd be. You'd be tempted, wouldn't you, if you're that good to go again? And at what point do you just say, no, I've, I've, I've done enough, And um, but what a position to be in. And, and I think whatever happens in the Giro, bar bad fortune, and I really, I, we all hope that doesn't happen to any of the riders now, because it's been such an attritional race so far. I think whatever Geraint gets out of this race, I think he'll be happy with Ned. Uh, unless, I think if he gets beaten properly by whoever, yeah. it likely it's going to be Roglic or Almeida now. I, I think he'll stand on the podium and think, do you know what, I, 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 got, I was in great form, I had the jersey, I did what I could. Um, I, I hope that whatever happens in this Giro that Thomas doesn't have any regrets, is what I was trying to say, and I don't think he will. Do you know when you see things in the distance? Yes. And you know they're there, but the detail oh, doesn't emerge until... It's a mountain. Yeah. Flipping neck, I mean, we're just on, we're coming out of... I thought that was clouds. Yeah, exactly. So we're coming out of the Po Valley. Uh, we're heading north from Venice, from Veneto. Well, where we finished just north of Venice today. Oh, an amazing helicopter shot of Venice as well today. But anyway, yeah. So there's a line because it's, it's quite cloudy and moody. The sun's beginning to dip. It's um, what is it? Seven something in the in the afternoon, just past seven o'clock. Um, and there's a line, a silhouette of the of the, the Dolomites ahead of us. Um, and that's where we're heading. And it's it's quite awe-inspiring. But in a similar way. When you go into every Grand Tour that I commentate on, actually, um, it's quite hard. There are 21 stages. There's a lot of detail to amass. You focus um, so much at the beginning of the race on the start list and who's actually here and what form they're in and what they've done. That it's quite difficult to know or build up a cogent mental picture of what the whole race looks like stage by stage and how it, the third week might actually be in reality. But the closer you get, the more that detail suddenly, suddenly becomes it comes at you in sharp relief and there was a moment today where you and I were having an expansive conversation about a Primoz Roglic 
because there was plenty of time to discuss things yeah. today because not much was happening in the race. And um, I think we both looked at the same time at the profile of the individual time trial on stage 20. And I think we both for the first time went, oh my God, it's actually serious, isn't it? Like it's, um, and I, want, I just wondered whether, again, this, whether, whether Roglic, Roglic has been training for that. I mean, it's severe, isn't it? The first, what was it? The first three kilometers are average 15%. Yeah. Yeah, it's- When it's, they hit the, when they hit the- I think the climb? Doesn't the climb average in, I think it's 10.8 average over its eight Ks, but yeah, you said the, the first three and a half kilometers is a little bit of a kick up, then, it, then it's constant 15% for the best part of three and a half, four kilometers. And then it drops to about seven for the last part after a little plateau, it's, it's horrendous. And it's just man against gravity, and it will, I think, ability, fatigue, sharpness will be enormously magnified on slopes like that. Um, there will be a, a few riders that say, well, it's not right, it's not a proper contest, but that's what we, we have. It is the Duro. Um, they like these centerpieces, these, center, these centerpiece um, tests for the riders at the back end of the race, and we've got one. Um, it's almost obscenely steep. Uh, let's hope it's a dry day. Uh, they'll be doing bike changes. They'll be having extraordinarily low gears. But yeah, if you have Ned on a, on a climb like that, just a slight off day, you could lose. You could lose minutes on somebody that's just good. You really could because there's just it is literally. Well, it's going to hurt, but power to weight massively important. But yeah, it's a lot could change even on the final stage. Even if Roglic has it to say has a great day, but but ships time over the next couple of days, you could you could close a minute if somebody somebody has a bad day on on that final climb. It could be things could change immensely in the top three. Yeah, well, it's, it's horrendous, isn't it? We've seen that somewhere before, haven't we? Yes, we have, we have, we have, we have. And uh, I'd imagine that uh, maybe again, maybe Roglic's not as he's clearly learned from that because that was a what I mean. Some of the most iconic photographs in cycling was, was the moment where. You know, Tali Pogacar just hugged his opponent, didn't he? Yeah. I don't think he could quite believe it. And there was a genuine moment of humility there as well. It was quite tight, I think. I mean, but he will, he, will, he will be thinking about that and also thinking about the the opportunities of winning Grand Tours because he's, a, he's a, a slightly older chap as well, isn't he? You know, and um, maybe he has focused on, on the back end of this race and maybe what we saw... I don't think what we saw the other day um, he'd have wanted, but... Um, we haven't seen the last of him yet, and we'll, we'll see what he's got. But um, that, that will be, yeah, everything will come into the sharpest of focus, to use your phrase there, definitely. Talking of which, just honing into view now and silhouetted against this uh, backdrop of the Dolomites is a typical Austro Austrian uh, style of architecture bell tower on a church. Because now, as we leave behind Veneto, we are heading into a part of uh, Italy that, where, once again, everything morphs. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's absolutely stunning. There's quite a lot of cloud around, as I say, but the sun has just found a pocket of blue sky and is sinking lower, and it's proper sort of hand of God uh, shards of lights that are being cast down on us on the motorway, picking out the, the vibrant green of kind of early summer in Italy. The leaves still, I mean, they've been absolutely doused with rain, so they're full of sort of juicy, uh, they're succulent sort of green colour, and they're just bathed in this wonderful light at the moment. <coughs> It's um, it's quite a scene. It's quite a scene. Well, we often come up to this part of Italy for the big finale, and you can just sense it now. The next three days are going to be uh, going to be really going to be really immense. They're going to be immense. They're going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, 
And that was that. It makes me think sometimes of... Uh, do you remember that stage on the... Uh, I think it was the day before the King's Lynn stage. Do you remember that one? Oh. Do you mean the stage into Ipswich? No, 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 no. That was a, that was the next year where we had ah. the Ipswich stage. No, we we just had to go. So it's King's Lynn was stage uh, four, I think. Yeah. But the um, the day before stage three was into Exeter. Ah. Yeah. When that it was. Yeah. I just remember Pataki that day. Oh, you were talking about Pataki earlier. Yeah, Pataki that day. Well, it was amazing, wasn't it? Um, I mean. I mean, obviously, there's the, the passage of time has, has, has faded it somewhat, but what Pataki did into Exeter yeah. will probably never be repeated. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, he was riding for that ISD Brakes team, wasn't he? Um, yeah, a, a team that he called a bleep team. Yeah, uh, when we just the other day, Julia. Yeah. We were talking about the ISD Brakes team, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a team that he rode for, but yeah. clearly wasn't overly fond of. Yeah. Uh, but but still, I mean. What a day that was for Pataki, for or for Alan, as we, we fondly call him. Yeah, I mean, because he had, you know, he had to put away Dean Downing in that sprint, didn't he? And Dean was on great form. I think uh, he was riding for uh, loads of points. Marshall Pastor, Rafa, um, Condor Recycling, well, JLT. Gibby was in the mix. So Gibby was in Gibby, the mix. Gibby, Gibby, well. Gibby was in the. Well, Gibby, uh, let's, Gibby's in the mix. Yeah, let's get to the crux of it. Yeah. I mean, basically, Gibby. Tony Gibb. Uh, t- Tony Gibb. Tony Gibb. It was, it was riding for the team, all dressed in pink. I think at the time, can't remember the name of the team exactly. But yeah. Gibby was a fast sprinter, silver medalist, points yeah. race. Um, interesting character, vocal, yeah. um, um, and quite handy as well. And and basically, um, Dino came into the final corner. Anyways, Tony, Tony Gibb was a domestic Alessandro Pataki in, yeah, the, Br- yeah. in the British team, wasn't he? A it? prolific winner, won uh, round of the Tour Series, yeah. good track rider, but a, a hefty lad, could sprint. Yeah. Um, big, uh, just a, a strong sprinter. Yeah. And could mix it with the Conti Pros yeah. at the Tour of Britain. And boy, did he mix it on that day, but he mixed it for the wrong reasons. He picked the wrong guy to pick a fight with on, on wheels. Ali Jet. Ali Jet. Well, yeah. well, Dean took him into the final left-hander. And yeah. do you remember, kicked up ever so slightly. Absolutely. Boot, boots. Boots. But the corner, the boots was on the corner, wasn't boots it? Boots to yeah. the Greg's together yeah. uh, Boots and Greggs side by side and it was a, it was one of those oh it was a Greggs concept store and they, they were trialling out vegan sausage rolls no 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 no, no 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 vegetarian it wasn't vegan back sorry, then sorry no yeah. vegetarian no, no. Uh, so they were quite prepared to use dairy products at that point in their in their right. journey yeah. towards a meat free um, but the, you know I don't think they quite embraced veganism and also the, the wrong, technology yeah. of plant based foods wasn't there, uh, wasn't the there really. So a lot of the product that they were developing was using uh, potato and swede as a kind of meat substitute yeah, instead yeah. and flavouring. Yeah. Right, and you put me you put me in place in there, quite rightly so. But that was with about 300 to go, wasn't yeah. it, that left-hander? Dino comes in. Um, Pataki yeah. has got the wheel of Dino. He knows a wheel to follow. Dino, uh, again, uh, he's won more, uh, more well, rounds of the tour I, series I, than, sorry, than actually existed. Exactly. Um, and I... I actually remember that morning interviewing Pataki about his chances. He had quite broken English, didn't he? Yes. But he did understand my to get a message across. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he did say he looked that he's got a quite a serious demeanor Alessandro and I kind of put to him, you know, obviously today expected bunch sprint into Exeter. I said yep. except I didn't say it that fast. I said Alessandro, today probably for the sprint probably a bunch in Exeter that was an unnecessary detail because it didn't yeah. really matter to him where it was where but it was, I said it anyway yeah. partly to please the um, the local authority uh, who put up the money to host the, the stage finish and also Mick was quite sharp about things yeah, like that and they've got a cracking cathedral there as well it cracking. is a lovely cathedral yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for you Alessandro you are a big favourite for the to take the sprint but who are your biggest rivals today and without without even like thinking about it for a second he just goes Dean Downing Dean Downing Dean Downing, Dean Downing. yeah of course he, he said uh, for me he's very strong uh, Dean Downing 
very fast in the finish and also Gibby. Gibby, yeah, we mentioned Gibby. So, uh, the, so the three of them locked yeah. together pretty much. Um, but Dino on the front. What, what, what Downing, what Dino comes at the final corner at pace, ever so slightly, gaps Pataki. So, but Gibby, he knows the way that Dino rides straight in the gap, but ends up elbowing Pataki. That was it. That was it. <laughs> elbowing yeah. Alessandro Pataki. Yeah, yeah, but they're both banked over. It's like it's a dodgy move. So Dino opens up a bit of a gap. Um, Pataki's kind of leaning on Gibby. Just heading into a toll booth here. Billetto. I, I, yeah. I didn't need to indicate, but I just did it as a precaution. So yeah. I've just corrected it, balanced it off. Um, they come, and then they straighten up. What Gibby could have done with doing a bit of that, couldn't yeah. he? Indicating yeah, a bit yeah, rather than just elbowing Pataki. So Dino's at 2.50 to go now. We're 50 metres in. Yeah. 250 metres ago, they're open to a lot of 50 metres. It's a really long 50 <laughs> <laughs> It just took about <laughs> seven minutes of podcasting. So I'm just, like, hold on, I've just got to do some stuff here. Yeah, uh, yeah just, I think you just take the oh, ticket, oh, mate. Yeah. Oh, oh no, you popped a bit too far away from it. Leaning out the window. He's got actually trying. Can you manage? He's done enough oh, look, yeah. I think he might have fractured a rib. Yeah. Um, so 300 metres to go was Greg's. Yeah. Uh, we're now at 250. The, the elbowing has happened. Dino's still pinned on the front. Pataki, yeah. how does he react to Gibby? Well, they're leaning in, and Gibby takes hand off the bars. Basically, a roundhouse collects the side of, of, of Alan's head. Um, and then Alan sort of reels off to the left. Meanwhile, these guys, they're still moving. And actually, at this point, because it was a head, remember it was a headwind? Yeah. The awful gales the day before. Yeah. A lot of roof damage locally. Yeah. Yeah. Block headwind, yeah. which everybody knew about. And that's why they, 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 they let Dino in. Because I did, don't, don't think he watched the local news the night before. And a small detail, but a blimmin' important one. Yeah. Dino's fading. Dino's fading. <laughs> Dino's fading. And now Alan comes back with an elbow yeah. to, to, the, to the jaw. Yeah, of, uh, of, of Gibby, Gibby. Of Gibby. Breaks his jaw. Breaks his jaw. Fractures yeah. poor Gibby's jaw. Yeah. Gibby veers off. It job's done. Pataki straight past, briefly into the into the very small slipstream of, of Dino because yeah. he's, he's a diminutive fellow. Yeah. Straight round him for the win. Both arms, of course. Yeah, but the interesting thing about that is he, he gets it one in the last 40 metres or so. Yes. Raw power, Jonathan Milan-esque, yeah? Yeah, we, 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 do you remember us watching? We were just looking at it. We were like, what the heck have we just seen? What's amazing about it, though, is he, he puts his arms in the air, Pataki, and then moments later, he, he's, he's, he's dropped them down and he's, tw- he's pulling the cloth on his jersey on both sides at, at nipple height yeah. out like that. And everyone's going, why, why not? And of course, you know the reason, don't you? It, he's, he's mimicking Dean Downing's famous... Uh, victory celebrations wearing the national criterium champion of Great Britain's jersey at the Tour Series in Exeter. In Exeter, of all places, that Dean Downing won and he celebrated by trying to show off his, his red, white, blue bands and it just looked like he was pulling his nipples out. In the, the stretch. style of but, but that is Pataki all over. He'd done his research, he'd identified Downing as a real danger, he dispensed with Gibby by breaking his jaw, in fairness, probably an illegal manoeuvre, but they, 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 they didn't, you know, really pick up on that. And he beats Downing and he has the presence of mind to acknowledge the greatness of Downing by um, you know, paying homage to that particular celebration. And the thing is, because very, very, I mean, there was a lot going on, there was a bit of a melee, there was actually a, a, a small scuffle broke out between the Swaniers of the rival teams that but LPD breaks and, and Gibby's LPD team. breaks, that's what that's, it's called. Yeah, uh, there, was a, there was a bit of a scuffle. I mean, luckily there was some... Uh, Slash tyres. I, yeah. I remember. I remember that was. So that's another podcast, isn't it? I mean, we could go on, but but ultimately, um, Carol, who works as one of the commissaires, basically was approached by Gibby's team, and she said, you know, six to one, half a dozen the other, and, 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 and the said, result stands. And then she said, and here, look, do you want some Harry Bows? Because she always has a big tin of sweets, yeah, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Carol Lee. 
Carol Lee was the yeah, chief commissaire that day. Diamond, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and looked at, looked at the photo, looked at the footage, and we were there. Um, we had access to that sort of stuff back in those days, Ned. And um, and it was a right. I mean, I mean, yeah, it was it was fair. And uh, and uh, and arguably um, one of Alan's best wins in in in, in Devon and Cornwall. Yeah, one of them. Um, one of them. And he took the jersey that day only to relinquish it the following day to Kevin Herrengotts. 